Welcome to Pro Networking League podcast. Today, I get to have a chat with Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee is a personal consultant who uses tools like biofield tuning and other tools. If you want to know more about her, jump over to her website. Her website is miracleinspirations.com. And you can also catch her on Facebook. So with that, Sandra Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. This is so exciting to have you on board. Thank you for the invitation. It's wonderful to be here. So do me a favor and explain what biofield tuning is. Biofield tuning is using sound and tuning forks to work on healing people through their energy field. You know what I mean by So the energy field around a person's body, I call it the biofield, but it's basically the aura. And this is a picture of it. So this is a biofield anatomy and app that biofield tuning practitioners use. And so you can see that there's this energy field, this torus of energy field around the person. And so I work with tuning forks and sound in that energy field to help people feel freedom from the things that have happened in the past that have them be stuck or if they feel confused. I look at it that everything that's ever happened to me is in my energy field, all of the events that have happened, things that are often very limiting to people, they have limiting beliefs around. Usually they originated from events in the past, like childhood. It was like, if my father said some really mean thing to me when I was little, imagine I have a ball of energy from that trauma in my field. So I look at it that I am here interacting with the world and that in my way, I have all these balls of stuff from the past, things that might have me not feel very good about myself, not like how I look, feel like I can't be heard, speak, say what I want. Maybe I got some judgment about being a singer or an artist or a writer when I was young, and that can create limiting beliefs for me. So if I have all these balls of energy from the past in my field, when I'm here interacting with another person, there's all this stuff in the middle. And it's really hard for me to be myself, to feel like I can be seen for who I am when interacting with this person. Or if I want to be a public speaker, it's like there's all this garbage in the way. So biofood tuning works to help clear that stuff out of the way so that I can be more clearly myself in interacting with other people. I can express myself. I can feel like I'm seen. I can feel like I'm heard. I, I like the illustration you draw of the ball within our aura because I think most of the time with my envisioning that, that ball is in our peripheral vision or those balls are in the peripheral vision. But once in a while, they get within our field of vision and either tunnel down our vision and so we don't see the broad horizons or even block our vision. Am I seeing that right? I've been a massage therapist for 30 years. When I first started studying acupressure, this was like when I was 20s, and I took a class using tuning forks. It was called sonopuncture. And then I proceeded to not do anything with those tuning forks. And about eight years ago, I was actively practicing as a massage therapist, and I went to a class about another tuning fork modality. And I started actually using tuning forks in my practice, doing body work. And then a little over two years ago, I found out about biofield tuning and I took the class. Very good. Now, I know with tuning forks, there'll be different notes, right? Different mm-hmm. ranges. Do those different notes have different impacts? Do they are used for treating in different ways or different types of people? There are different 
ways of working with tuning forks. I'm going to talk first about the other way that I was learning before that I'm not doing now, because it does have different frequencies, different tuning forks for different things. So it's like, there are some tuning fork methods where if you have an issue with kidneys, you have tuning fork for kidneys. And then you have a tuning fork for this and a tuning fork for that, a tuning fork for this. The system that I was learning at first had like tons of equipment, like so many different tuning forks and sets of tuning forks. One of the things I like about biofit tuning is that the equipment is limited. There's only a handful of tuning forks. I'm going to say that I have maybe 10 and I'm not working with the specific frequencies. I work with the spectrum of sounds in the tuning fork. I work with the distortion. This happens to be 174 hertz, but over Zoom, it'll cut out some of the noise, but I turned on the setting that enables you to hear a little bit more. So that's not a pure note, right? There's lots of tones in there. So when I am interacting with someone's biofield, the specific parts of the tones that are there that the person's energy field needs It's like they draw on whichever part of the spectrum of sound Mm. the person needs. So it's like the overtones, undertones of the notes, a complex sound as opposed to a pure note. If I am working with one of the systems that depends on this frequency does this, you're really only using that one frequency. This, I have a broad mount. How this works is I'm coming in and it's like, oh, there's something here. Mm. There's something stuck. I'm running into something in the energy field. One of those balls of energy is here and I'm interacting with it. All right. So basically, I think of this like the body or the aura is having this opportunity to take what you're offering is that tune or that range of tunes and take the specific component of that that it wants. Kind of like when we go to a grocery store, we don't buy all the ketchup. We buy the one we want. You're allowing the aura of the individual to find what their needs are within the range that you're offering. You, do you understand about the concept of resonance? A little bit. So the common illustration is you have a wine glass, a fine piece of crystal. When you hit just the right note, the crystal shatters. That's when you have a resonant frequency. So it's like you have this whole range of frequencies. And when you get to the frequency that matches whatever the resonant frequency is of the object, mm-hmm. the object starts to vibrate. Right. It energizes it because you hit the right frequency. Have you ever been driving down a gravel road and then when you get to just the right speeds, you get all the bumpiness? It's because you hit the resonant frequency of the road. And so when you hit that resonant frequency, the amount of vibration escalates. So with this, there's a range of different frequencies that the person has going on. And when you hit the resonant frequency that sets off whatever that's going on, it sets up some vibration. There's some activity going on in the energy. And so if the person has some work, some healing they need to do associated with that, it's like, whoa, what are we working on here? And then you help it to clear out when you resolve whatever that issue is. So which one's seeking which? That's the way I look at it. So is it the, the injury, the ball, seeking the resonance, or is it the range of resonance finding the ball? Or am I oversimplifying it? Some of it is practitioner-based. So it's like me, Sandra, might have a whole bunch of different things that I can work on. And when I am working with this practitioner, the things that I have going on that this person can work on, those will come up. If I'm working with this other practitioner over here, different stuff. And when I'm working with this modality, things will come up. 
different modality, different things. I believe in working with a whole variety of different types of providers and practitioners with different modalities, because uh-huh. each of those people is going to serve me in a different way. So the opportunities then start to present themselves in ways that allow you to then make the interaction that's needed. Sometimes what happens is the person's knowingness, their beingness, has something that it knows it needs to work on. And it pulls up something to work on and they get actively upset about it. This happens all the time. Somebody knowing that they're going to have a session with me, they'll be coasting along and then they'll pull up an issue and they'll be struggling. It's like, they're all upset about something. They come to their session with it. We work with that. And then they, they go along and they do their thing. I had somebody years ago, this is when I was doing body work. We wound up mostly talking about whatever it was she had going on. She'd coast for three weeks. Then for three days, she'd pull up an issue, be, and then she'd come in, we'd work with it, and then she'd coast for three weeks. It's like her soul knew what she needed to work on, pulled up what there was to work on, and we did it together. It could be very difficult, but in the long run, really have phenomenal dividends. Yeah, I can see that. I, I look at it that... Each person has like this big pot and all of my issues in the pot and it's full of liquid. Up at the top of the liquid, I have the things that I am actively working on. I know these are issues. They are right on the surface. On the bottom, there's issues that maybe I don't even know are there. And then in the middle, you have all the things. I know these are issues, but I'm not working on them right now. So anytime I go and I do something healing or I work with a coach. It's like taking a wooden spoon and stirring all kinds of stuff that maybe I don't, haven't been paying any attention to. It's like, it's right up on the surface. So it's like getting my attention. And this happens all of the time in both human design, which is the other thing I do, and biofield tuning. Things that I know are part of my history, but I haven't been working on, and I didn't even know I needed to work on them. Suddenly I'm like, whoa, what's that? Where'd that come from? I do want to talk about your human design practice and what you do there. Before we go there, you've talked about things from our past and in the cauldron of our life. I can't help but think about current events and current situations that affect us also. I think about the thing that we're all dealing with now with the plague. COVID has created different kinds of stress for different ones of us. That makes me think about, obviously, you're not professing to be able to solve COVID or COVID symptoms, but the stress related to that has to be a part of the things that you're seeing. The stress of the environment, the stress caused on us by the environment. Is stress trauma? Absolutely. This trauma has a lot of things that we think it means. Mm -hmm. I look at it that everyone has trauma. Everyone has like big trauma, like abuse and those kinds of things. But everyone has little trauma. I look at it that I'm a baby and I pop out, right? Truth is that it is impossible for my parents to completely meet my needs because I cannot from my little baby mind communicate to my mother exactly what it is I need. Right. Agreed. So I naturally sometimes feel like I'm not seen, heard. I don't get my needs met. And that's trauma. I've been a massage therapist for 30 years. So in my experience, essentially everyone has this experience in their life of not being heard, not being seen, not getting their needs met, not being able to ask for what they want or need, has those traumas. I consider those universal okay. human experience. For most people, that's what's at the bottom of all of the issues that they have. Wow. And for me, my, at the bottom of mine was 
I'm bad and I hurt people. That was the foundational belief that was at the bottom of everything for me based on my pretty normal, relatively healthy childhood. I didn't have any abuse, right? right? But I still had this foundational beef. There was something wrong with me. I couldn't be seen and heard, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I realized at a point as an adult that any time something was not right, I wasn't happy, something was going wrong, I made a mistake, that at the bottom of it was always, I'm bad and I hurt people. It's the kind of foundational belief that pretty much everyone has a version of. Everyone has a version of those limiting beliefs. They may or may not be limiting me anymore because of all of the growth, the healing, all of the work that I've done. But everyone's got their version of that. So at the base of it, that's what I'm working with, with everyone when I'm doing biofood tuning. We help the person resolve those traumatic incidents Mm -hmm. and take their power back. You know, the truth is you made it. You make a difference in the world. I look at it that those little child parts, it's like they pull the circuit breakers. If I have something in my life now, I want to be out there doing little six-year-old in there that says, no, I'm afraid, pulls the circuit breaker, and I don't do what it is I want to do. I like the way you explain that because I've always thought of those limiting beliefs that eventually we have to come to terms with it and tell that inner voice that, if you will, six-year-old child, you're lying. It's not true. But your way of doing it might be more healthy because you're saying not call our younger self, our inner voice, a component of ourselves, a liar. Let's go ahead and figure out what caused that or why you think that and make it untrue. So we both agree, both meaning the inner voice and our consciousness agree that it's no longer true. In 30 years as a massage therapist, I came up with really great ways of describing things to people to make them easy to understand. I think of this, all of those things are called survival mechanisms. Indeed. And I look at it that I have a cloak that's got all my survival mechanisms in it. And some people are continually living the survival mechanism. They're on emergency management mode 24-7, when really it's not necessary. Most of the time, life is safe. I'm not threatened. So if I have these protection mechanisms on, it's safe right now. I can take my cloak off, put it in the closet, and anytime I need it, anytime little six-year-old feels like she's in danger, I can put my cloak back on and I can protect myself. I can guard. But most of the time, it's not necessary. Agreed. We don't have to be in panic mode continually. So tell me about human design. So human design generates a chart based on my birth date. It's based on where the planets were at the time I was born. And I'm going to tell you the story of how I came to this because it's kind of fun. I had had astrology readings, Mm -hmm. right? That's based on where the planets were, the time I was born, and had them make zero sense to me. I didn't think that the positions of the planets mattered to me in my life. I had had readings and have not remembered anything about them, and I had no way of consciously applying them to my life. As far as I was concerned, you can live your life based on that information. Like abstract information to you. Yeah. It's like meaningless (laughs) to me. So I met my human design teacher when she was a guest on a teleseminar series. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to thousands of people. But I learned things about myself and my life that are practical 
and relevant now, eight years later. Interesting. Relevant for me every day of my life. I was like, hmm, maybe the positions of planets do matter. So I jumped into her training program and I pretty much inhaled it. I learned it super fast and it's relevant. It makes sense to me. So now I do human design for people and I help them understand the things that happen in their life. I describe it that, you know, a fish in a fishbowl, the fish doesn't know water exists. The human design chart and the qualities in the human design chart are like the water for the fish. They are so normal for the fish, the fish doesn't even know they are there. Correct. So when I distinguish for the person based on their chart, these are the things that you're good at. These are your unique gifts. It turns the water into, oh, this is what's special about me. This is how I am designed to serve the world. Because really, everyone wants to feel like they make a difference. The issue is that people don't understand how they serve. So that's what human design does. So if two people were born on the same day, different parts, because different parts of the world, I would assume that their chart would be a bit different. Depends on how far apart. The chart is based on the time you were born and its time zone. But you may have twins, Mm -hmm. right? Born minutes apart. Right. And their charts may be virtually, if not exactly the same. And they may have completely different experiences of that chart. Why is that? There are thousands of different ways of experiencing each of the energies in the chart. So it's not a map. It's an understanding. I think of it as being like a blueprint. There are thousands of different ways of experiencing that. I can experience a positive side. I can experience a not so positive side. I can experience, yes, I definitely do do that. I can, it's like, no, I definitely don't do that. All of those are in there. Okay. So if just with one energy, right, you have twins, Mm -hmm. right? Same energy in the chart, but this one might experience it as being busy. This one might experience being not busy. It might be the energy for busyness, but the way they express it may be different. Interesting. It becomes a perspective at that point, Mm -hmm. not just the condition that we're in, but our perspective of that condition. How much of that is choice? I mean, in the example of twins, do they automatically see the same situation different or do they choose to see the same situation different? I, I think of a large jet liner that's traveling through the sky, going to a a far away distance that I don't know. And I see it in the sky flying above me and it's full of people. And a group of those people might be a family and that family is going to see another family member. That's their destination. Each one of the members of that family are going to see from their own perspective, a different person, right? One of them's going to go see grandma. One's going to go see their favorite grandma. One of them's going to go see mother-in-law. One's going to go see mom. But they're all in the same family, going to the same person, the same destination. The perspectives are different. And then separated from all that is somebody they don't even recognize standing on the ground, looking up and thinking about them. So it sounds like that's pretty close to what you're saying. It's just because they're all going to the same destination doesn't mean their perspective's the same. And it doesn't have to be. Yes. One of the possible complaints people might have about systems like this is, this is not my fate. Some people see it as being limiting. One of the complaints I have about the human design community 
is that some people tend to focus on the negative, on seeing the potentially negative aspects of some of these things, because some of them are, are particularly challenging. I don't like to look at it that way. Yes, when I do a reading for somebody, I like to tell them what the challenging aspects are, particularly if they've already been experiencing them, because that happens all the time. It's like when someone has had a challenging experience of something, it's like, so this is this makes sense based on your chart. It's here in your chart. I like to help people recognize, oh, this challenging experience that I have is here and it's part of my design. The thing that I learned about my human design when I learned about my teacher was about anger. I get angry all of the time about little things, about big things. And I used to be angry for weeks at a time. And I used to beat myself up about this. Like, why do I do this? Why don't I just get over it? There's something wrong with me about anger. When I learned that human design is part of my design, changed everything. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with anybody else. I didn't do anything wrong. Nobody else did anything wrong. And I can't turn it off. It took this big problem in my life and turned it around. First of all, I don't get stuck in it anymore. If I get angry, is there something I need to communicate? Communicate it and then get over it. So it's turned it from something that was a problem to something that I experience and it's normal and natural and I manage it. And sometimes anger is important. We need it. Yes. Nothing would ever change. Nothing would ever get better if we didn't have anger. Right. We need people who have the willingness and the ability to get anger so that things change when they need to be changed. So these kind of things that you see in the example of anger that you mentioned with yourself, you're able to see it not from... A hindrance to our lives, but a tool that we can choose to utilize and a benefit to us. Yes. How I serve. Here's another example. So one of my clients, we did biofood tuning and then, and then we did human design. And her biggest complaint for her whole life had been, everybody is always asking me for something. Everybody is always asking me for help. These asking me for advice, asking me for my opinion. They always want something from me. I want them to pay attention to me, to ask me how I feel, ask me what I want. So when I looked at her human design chart, there's one energy that is the strongest on the chart, and -hmm. it's where the sun was at the time you were born. You do the sun energy all the time, 24-7. In some way or other, you are doing that. So for her, that conscious sun energy was the energy about taking care of in some way or other. She is always taking care of people. Right. And so I helped her see that by coming to her and asking her for help, people were actually showing that they do see her and the difference she makes because they are coming to her for her greatest gift. Changed everything. When I saw her the next week, all of the resistance associated with that was gone. She had turned this experience that over and over every day in her life, she hated about herself and she saw it all as opportunity. That's a reward for you and for her, for your client. And then you as a practitioner get get to not just talk about it, but actually feel the difference that they're experiencing and, and see that difference in their life. It happens all the time. It's amazing. I also know that you were a contributor to a book that was published recently. It was great. 
it was really good for me. I mean, the truth is that I struggle with writing. I'm, I'm a perfectionist, right? Oh, so it's yeah. like one of the things about my chart is everybody's chart has some, some themes, central right. themes. The central themes of my chart are perfectionism and being in control. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to writing, I'm really fussy about it. I'm a perfectionist, right? And so I kind of resist writing a little bit because it's so much work. But contributing to this book, I, I didn't write all of it myself. I'm a contributor to the book. It was a really good experience in um, working with other people and collaborating and then actually getting something like honed down to feel like it's right. So, yeah, it was it was great. And the name of the book is Stop Overworking and Start Overflowing. 25 Ways to Transform Your Life Using, using Human Design. That's so awesome. it's a human design focused book. And my chapter is using the combination of human design and biofield tuning. So my two modalities working together. So turning dreams into successes? Yes. So okay. focusing on helping entrepreneurs and their businesses to be successful using this combination of human design and biofield tuning. I would imagine you've exercised as a practitioner on both of these, but having to sit right rewrite and probably rewrite and then get feedback and rewrite that that really forced you to see how these two worlds come together. Mm -hmm. So you you've known how they come together because you could feel it, but to be able to communicate that to others, I guess this really forced that ability that you have to, to bring two modalities together and grab a certain synergy and elevate that to be able to help others. I had been doing them together for a little while. It was working on the chapter of the book that had me realize the particular benefit of this combination for the purposes of business. And the person who I talk about in my chapter is someone you, you and I both know. And I helped her with her business and grow her business, expand her business with human design and biofield tuning. And it was actually the experience of writing the chapter of the book that had me decide to focus my business on entrepreneurs and their businesses. So how do entrepreneurs and businesses utilize your tools? So we were talking about how human design helps me understand how I serve my purpose. And so when the person understands their purpose and how they serve, they start to see, oh, that's what I'm doing in my business. Or if I want to start a business, oh, this is a business that I might be able to start offering these things. I, I mentioned that my central themes are perfectionism and being in control. I am always making things better for myself, for my clients, for the house, for food, whatever. Right. I am always in some way or other focusing on making things better. When I'm aware of that, it helps me be conscious, oh, when I do this with this person, I'm helping them to make themselves better, to make their business better. So it's like with that awareness of my purpose and how it's coming through in my actions, I am more conscious, oh, I'm giving my purpose. Now, could a company, a business, an entrepreneur also use these tools to find people with specific skill sets with the human design element. So almost limited to saying, 
I'm looking for people who are born on this day. Seems like you could almost reverse engineer it to a marketing standpoint to do that. I haven't heard of people doing that, but it could be. In other words, if you say, I want people who were born during this couple of days during the year, because I talked about the conscious sun, right? Right. As being the strongest energy in the chart. Right. So it's like the sun is in, there's 64 of these energies, right? 64 of the gates on the chart. And each year, the sun will spend a couple of days in each one of those 64 gates. I want people who have the conscious sun be this particular thing. Then yes, I could say, if you're born in this period of time, then you might be a good person for this job. I've never seen anybody do their hiring in that manner, but it could be. It almost seems if you had a tool that could help people that were struggling with that component that the sun was in, that with our digital world technology, whether you like it or not, you can actually limit it down pretty well to saying, all right, we want people born in this window of this year and this window of this year. Could and be. that's who I'm running ads to because this will re- resonate with them. That's targeting. Yes, it is. That's target marketing. That's yeah. true. Now, that's it is pretty common for people looking for people to hire to run their human design charts. And why would that be so you know who's a good fit? Yeah. I imagine you could use it not just so who works with you, but to overcome your weaknesses also. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, imagine a company is going through a hiring process and they interview a bunch of people, right? And they say, okay, we've got these three people who mm, we're seriously considering one of these people. So run their human design chart and see which people are going to be most compatible, which people are going to have the skills that we want, which people are going to contribute these things that we really need. Like you said, fill in some holes. There's all right. sorts of things that you can do with, with, with that. That would be really helpful. I can see that on a hiring because you can lean into that new hire's tendencies and they could actually feel more comfortable in their position sooner as a result of that. So if businesses want to u- utilize, whether they're entrepreneur, small business, or even larger businesses, you want to utilize your stuff, they just find you at Miracle Inspirations and just contact you through there. Is that the best thing? Yeah. So I run charts for people at no cost. They go to the website and there's a pull a chart link. Okay. They will be invited to also pull a chart for their business if they want to do that. Now, does that the business element of that, does that go back to the, I don't know how to use a better term, the birthday of the business or is it still yeah. to the lead so, individuals in the business? The birth date for a business is not quite as obvious as the birth date for a person. Right. What I suggest people start with is pick the date on the business license okay. and run a chart for them. If they wind up actually really wanting more information, we might, you know, experiment with some other possible birth dates. So it's like for some people, they choose the birth date, the date that they sat at the table with their partner and planned it all out. Right. For some people, it's the date when their certification was completed, the date the first client came, the date they had the office. There's so many possible significant dates to choose from. Right. Because there would be, there could be epiphany date, right? Wow, this might work, but it would be very difficult to know what the epiphany date is, but it can be run for the business as a whole and for the individual. So people can go from here, go right to your website, have them pull for free, and then elicit your help in interpreting those. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Here's an example than what I told in, in the book. So I ran our friend's chart, personal chart, mm-hmm. before she started her school. And I said, what do you want? What do you want to talk about? She said, I've always dreamed of having a school. And I said, oh, look at your chart. Perfect. Having this school would be a perfect expression of the purpose in your chart. So move forward a couple of years. She's got the school and was just starting to happen. And, you know, she was a young business, not quite stable yet. Is it a good idea for me to keep going? You know, there's this money pressure that was going on then. We're not able to have school right now. We're not able to provide services right now. Is this a good thing? I did a reading for the business. Oh, my gosh. This school is perfect for your target audience and what you are doing. What you are doing is just right. Provided confirmation that what you are doing is the right thing. So it just became enough of a fortification for her to press through and endure the difficult climate that we were in at that time and continues now. Yes. And then what happened was because people had gotten money from the government, remember that? There were a lot of people saying, I want a new career. And she exploded because she had students coming out everywhere. She has done very well. And it's neat to hear that you have helped her on that journey. Weird question for you. Other than the book that you participated in, what's the last book that you gifted somebody? I don't gift books. I have recommendations for books. What's the last book you recommended? Books that I recommend are health-related because one of the things that I've done a ton of educating myself about is about food and nutrition and how they affect the body's ability to heal and a whole variety of different health conditions. Mm-hmm. So I recommend books all of the time that help people understand for themselves how to work with food and optimizing health. I know you, you've been involved with some professional networking. How has professional networking, as networking as a whole, impacted your business? Right now, because I've been actively building this mm-hmm. business since March of 2020, In 2021, I decided to rebrand, meaning instead of trying to market to everyone, focus on entrepreneurs and their businesses. And because this book was coming out, I built a new website and I hired a bunch of people for that. And I have a marketing director. All of that, all of those people came from networking. Every single one of them. Most of them from the networking group that you and I are in together bring networking. So it has been obviously positively impactful for you. I'm glad to hear that. If a person is considering a career similar to what you do as a personal consultant or a professional consultant to businesses and entrepreneurs, where do they start? Personally, my recommendation is that they run their human design chart to help them understand how is it you serve? What is it that's right for you? And to just see if the thing that you are considering doing actually like really fits your purpose and how you serve and what you want. What questions are you asking just in life and about the world? What questions are you asking? What questions of self-improvement are you asking? How can I get better at communicating what I do? When I am talking with people about what I do, I hold my human design chart and the qualities in my human design chart in mind. So it's like I help people have more truth and integrity in their life. 
I help people have more of what they want. I help people live their purpose. I help people to feel like they have control over the things going on in their life. So you use the knowledge you have of your human design chart to feed into what you do so that what you do feeds the person that your design shows that you are. Yeah. So I look at it that human design helps you understand the language to use when you're talking about what you do. So like for me, truth and integrity, helping there be more truth, helping people find out what's right. That's the strength in my chart, right? The chart, it beams out into the world who I am and it tells the world, this is what I offer. This is what you can come to me for, right? And it beams that out so that it's out there attracting people to me who want what I offer. When I am living consistent with my design, consistent with my chart, then the chart is beaming out. If what I'm doing and saying matches it, the people out there get a consistent message. If my chart is beaming out one thing and I am doing and saying something different, the people out there are going to be confused because what I'm doing and saying does not match what my chart is beaming out. They're not going to want to do anything, have anything to do with me because they're getting a mixed message. When I use language and actions that match my design, then that's what magnetically attracts people to me. It goes back to that resonance, but on a you're not looking to break a glass, but you're looking to, to feel it. There's something just that we can feel. It's like, this speaks to me, for lack of a better term. As a child, as a little girl, who was your non-family member mentor? Did you have one? I had a science teacher mm. when I was in high school. And um, I I went to the California Institute of Technology. I have a degree in science. And I went to him to get a letter of recommendation to college. And he says, are you sure? Because I went to Caltech. And I said, oh, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) But, you know, I was like getting a letter of recommendation for college. I I look at him as as being one of my mentors. Anything specific he did other than writing a letter that helped you just kind of see things a little bit different? Well, you know, just understanding science. Right. So, so I went to a science engineering school. I like learning how the world works. So which element of science physics then? Because that's kind of the way the world works. I have a, a bachelor's in chemistry. And then, of course, now I went to do body work and mm-hmm. energy work and sure. intuitive work. And how do they match? <laughs> right. So I came to terms with that pretty quickly. I was in my um, early 20s when I started doing acupressure and Reiki and healing types of things that aren't necessarily like easily scientifically explainable. And I had to come to terms with that, right? Because I found, you know what, doing this stuff actually works. And yet I don't know how to, I don't know how to say the science. So I learned early how to want to be able to explain things logically, but be with not being able to explain things logically. I consider myself fortunate to have come to that place relatively early in my life. Now, I specialize in being able to explain things to people about what's going on in their body. Or if you make this nutritional shift, how it's going to affect your body. I'm really good at helping people take these things that might be hard to understand and mm-hmm. make them understandable. They do a lot of metaphors, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, because when you're talking about... Your degrees in chemistry, I thought, well, what you do, there's not really an acid test for what you do. But in chemistry, that's what it's all about. It's this duplicatable. Interesting. And then you've developed the skills to be able to 
make it to where they're not really separated, that we can actually cross that bridge and we can have an understanding of both areas. And we can, by extension, we can understand that we can't really understand everything yet. There's just going to be components of our lives of the world that we're still seeking for knowledge. Well, I appreciate you being on with me. I appreciate the conversation we had. You've taught me a great deal. I always enjoy spending time with you. I think that you're a gem of an individual. And I, I really cherish the friendship that we have and, and the time you spent with me and helping me to understand things a little bit better. And people can reach out to you and find you through your website, miracleinspirations.com. And is there anything else that I can do for you or anything you'd like others to know about you? I work a lot in, and we haven't really talked about that. Indeed. So- when I'm doing both biofluid tuning and human design, I get a huge amount of information mm-hmm. and I, I deliver it to the person. I, I trust that the person in their beingness, their knowingness, made available to me information that they need and they're too close to it to be able to see it. So I help them by vocalizing what it is that their system is showing me. And sometimes... I come up with information about people that they haven't told me. So physical body things or the sorts of things that happen in their lives. And sometimes the person didn't know to ask that. And it winds up being what changes everything. I I look at it that I'm too close to my own stuff to be able to see it clearly. So I, as the intuitive person they're coming to, their beingness shows me and I tell them, and it's like, oh, I didn't see that. The epiphany moment. That's got to be rewarding for you also. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm working energetically, right? So I've got my tuning fork, and, and I'm at a place in the field, and it feels like something's stuck, mm-hmm. right? If something comes to my mind, it's like, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and I stay there, and I stay there, and I stay there, and nothing changes, right? As soon as I say it, things start moving. That's pretty amazing. Rewarding. I could see how that would be really uncomfortable at times. Some of the things that come up to say, it's like, oh, I'm not going to say that. Wow. That takes some courage. I don't think we think about that, but that would take some courage to go, all right, let's go ahead and step into this swamp, shall we? (laughs) And sometimes I'll even say, you know what? This has been coming up for a couple of minutes and I didn't want to say it, but it's not going away. So I'm going to say it. And sometimes the person relates to it. Sometimes it doesn't. But it instantly, things start, start moving in the energy. So is that sometimes because you're the block? I, 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 I don't think about it too much. Okay. To, to, be able to, to be able to be in that place of serving, mm-hmm, right. right? And then I can't get attached to it. When I get attached to it, that's when I put all kinds of distortion into it. So it's like, it just kind of comes. And it's like, that's weird. I'm not going to say that. Right. But I get out of the way. It's like, whatever. So as difficult as it is, it sounds like you try to stay in the objective viewer and keep your subjective views out of it. There's the chemist. That's the chemist right there. (laughs) This is also knowing that every session I do with somebody else, I'm also working on me. I mean, there's no way around that. So anytime I say something, it's affecting me. Mm. Anytime I say something, it's affecting the person that that I'm with. Yeah, that's what makes us less individuals than we think we are. We truly have impacts on each other. 
like you said, the aura, whatever it is, the things that we resonate out, all those things, we are impacting each other. And sometimes we even use words. All right. Well, again, thank you. I appreciate you. I do have one more thing to say. Please. So for you watching this podcast, this man is a master at networking. So listen to what he says. Listen to what he teaches. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's all I have. We covered more stuff than actually I had in notes. So I appreciate your willingness to stick around and endure my interrogation. It was fun. I thought it was a fun. It was a blast. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Sandra Lee. And thanks to Sandra Lee for joining me. Again, you can find Sandra Lee and reach out to her through her website, MiracleInspirations.com, or she's on Facebook also. Thank you for listening to the Pro Networking League podcast. Please subscribe and share with your network.